writer's block. It's the one thing no writer wants to deal with, and always fears that he or she might get somewhere along the line. In this episode of The Writer's Lens, I'm going to talk a little bit about this horrible condition that writers befall themselves to, and how you might be able to overcome it by doing a few simple things. This is Josh JCL Felton for The Writer's Lens, and this is episode 42, How Do I Get Over Writer's Block? All right, well, welcome back, guys, to The Writer's Lens. And as you caught from the intro, uh, today's episode is going to be dealing with that age-old nemesis of writers, uh, this concept known as writer's block. And it seems a bit of a pertinent thing to talk about, considering this is The Writer's Lens. And now I'm going to be talking about the blockage of of writing, uh, or writer's block. So uh, just to kind of jump right into this concept, it's something that affects everybody that has to write something at some point. Okay, I know that this is a writing-themed podcast. It's a creative podcast, and I'm going to be coming at it from that angle. But I, I want to make mention that at some point or another, we have to articulate ourselves in the written format, and we have to send messages. We have to communicate. Being human beings, we're designed for this. Okay, we're social animals, social, social creatures. Uh, you know, God designed us that way. So there's this need to tell each other things, and there's also this desire to communicate ideas and emotions, feelings, thoughts, all those kinds of things, and ultimately to be heard. I mean, we we all want to be heard in some capacity, and writing allows us to do that. It allows us to reach people over time so, so we don't have to necessarily be sitting right next to them. Our ideas can last for generations. I mean, just look at ancient texts such as the Bible. Uh, or, the, you know, the Vedas, the Quran, um, all kinds of ancient texts survive and the ideas survive within them uh, for good or for bad uh, based upon our ability to write things down and convey our thoughts. So writer's block is really the stoppage of that. And when I looked at just some basic definitions of writer's block, which it does have its own, it has its own definition, is, and I'll paraphrase this from the Merriam-Webster, is it's the halting of a creative's writing process, being unable to convey a message or an idea. And the funny thing about this is that you would think as, as human beings go, we would have no issue with this. You know, we would think that because we have such stream of consciousness thought and we're always buzzing with, with thoughts perhaps, or more, some of us more than others maybe, but you would think that as verbal as we are, that we would be constantly communicating with each other and we wouldn't have this issue of thoughts getting jumbled up and not being able to, you know, to put them down uh, in a rather eloquent manner. But the reality is that it is very difficult to do because it does last a long time. And we have this innate understanding that our words do matter that what we say actually does matter when we put it down on paper or we put it on our keyboard and we put it out there for other people to read, total strangers perhaps, and even more frightening, people that are close to us, you know, loved ones, family members, spouses, that, that whole shebang. And I know just thinking of my, my earlier writing that the thought of other people reading my stuff was mortifying in some way, knowing that uh, people that I would have to see at Christmas or Thanksgiving or on my birthdays if I decided to invite them, that these people would maybe read my ideas and my thoughts. And that 
caused me to take a lot of pause every once in a while. Uh, and you could call that writer's block. I mean, you could really call that a stoppage of my thought and my creative process. So what are some things that might actually cause writer's block? I mean, this is clearly something that, like I said, happens to everybody. It's not just writers in general, people that are writing for a living, that are relying on the written word to pay their bills and, you know, all that kind of jazz. What are some things that, that might actually cause this uh, quote-unquote condition to afflict us? And if you do a quick Google search on this or you just ask anybody, you're going to get a myriad of reasons, right? Uh, I mean, I, I was doing some research on this prior to this episode, and, and uh, the Internet is never without its list of options and answers. Uh, you know, I found things all the way from physical illness to career loss to financial pressures to relationship struggles to, you know, moving or travel, uh, you know, new parenting, uh, new relationships even. I mean, there's no shortage of reasons for why we might feel uninspired or perhaps overly inspired. You know, there's that hyper-creativity that you could get into and you have too many ideas at once and you, you're just basically blocking up the, the singular idea that you could be working on. But I guess that's kind of a whole other story there. But, but, uh, but to my point, there's, there's a lot of external pressures that can cause us to take just a, a moment to step back and go, I, I don't know where I want to go with this. You know, I'm, I'm not sure if I can go forward because of X or because of Y or whatever it might be that's, that's, that's going on. So in doing a little bit of digging on this, on this topic, Jeff Goins, who is a, a platformer, uh, or I should say a social media platform guru, or I would consider him to be, and he's also a writer, actually has some pretty good explanations on this, and he has some pretty good stuff as far as writing and dealing with writer's block and trying to stay inspired go. So I'm going to be going off some of his uh, suggestions and some of his ideas for this. And he has three primary causes that he lists as being the reasons for why you might get writer's block. And I, and I happen to agree with these being a writer myself. And he says they are timing, perfectionism, and fear. So again, that's timing, perfectionism, and fear. And to unpack those a little bit, timing is really just, you're not ready to write it yet. Okay, you, you may have this grandiose idea and you, you think that you're going to be able to wow people with it and it's like, let's go, you know, pull the, pull the reins off. I'm going to just write this thing and, and people are going to love it. And in reality, you're just not there yet. You're just, your skill set's not there. Maybe you don't have an understanding of flow or story structure or character arcs or whatever it is. It's just not quite ready yet. The timing's just not there. I mean, I remember I'm, I'm 33 now. I'm soon going to be 34. And I remember being 16 and having an idea for a story and I would write about it in my journal I would write it in uh, the just the, the plethora of uh, notepads that I had up in my in my bedroom about this epic fantasy and this character that was going to be a coming-of-age story and there was going to be sort of like magic and, and steampunk and dragons and all kinds of stuff and I loved it I fell in love with this idea and then I waited a couple years to, to start writing it and I would go back and read it, and it was total garbage. I mean, it was so bad. <laughs> uh, the idea was there, but the execution was just just bad. Okay, it just was not very good. And, and I just put it down, and I just said, I, I'm just not ready to write this yet. And l literally almost 16 years later, more than 16 years later, I still feel like it, I'm not quite ready yet.
which I know to some people might sound, oh my God, like so uh, mortifying. Like, I cannot believe you've waited almost two decades to write a story. But I mean, that's kind of the reality of writing in general. Okay, this is not something you just do over the weekend and you're done with it. Uh, no, uh, writing a full scale book with all the ideas and themes fleshed out is not an easy process. And, and I've talked about that in other episodes. So if you've been following along, I'm not going to I'm not going to retrace my steps and go back in time on you. But I just wanted to reiterate that for anyone that might be be jumping in here uh, in the middle of this series. So so moving on. So then the second one he says is perfectionism. And this one kind of speaks for itself, uh, honestly. I mean, the desire to be perfect in all of the words that you say. And I'm as guilty of this as, as the next person who wants to write stories. This absolute uh, desire to to articulate and, and get a message out there that is going to be without flaw is something I think every writer really wants because in some way, every writer thinks they're going to change the world or change a few people with their words. And knowing that there's this burden or pressure upon yourself that you, you're putting upon yourself anyway, it can cause you to trip up a bit. It can cause you to... <clears throat> Take pause and say, is this perfect? Is this exactly the way I want this sentence to sound? I mean, I was listening to a podcast uh, from Joe Rogan, and he was interviewing uh, Jordan Peterson, the author of 12 Rules for Life. But he also wrote a book years ago called Maps of Meaning. And Peterson was explaining how he reread, I think, every sentence more than a dozen times in that book. And the book's big, and it's very complex, very complicated and just the meticulousness that went into that, trying to make this thing as perfect and as, as good as he possibly could, to me was just just like, whoa, like, wow. Like, that was overly trying to be perfect. And granted, I, I think he had an editor in, on his uh, on his side, or at least helping him, so that he wasn't going through that, that insanity by himself. But you get the idea that we can take perfectionism to such a level that we're we're losing sight of the larger goal that look we're just we're, we're trying to get our thoughts out there but we don't have to be absolutely 100 percent perfect we want it to be as close to perfect as we can get uh, but this idea of never being satisfied with our work as well is something that we want to we want to curtail and 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 not fall into the trap of and then finally fear and and fear is a lot of different things you know fear of being exposed, fear of your thoughts being criticized. I think that's probably one of the biggest ones that uh, new writers face. I mean, I I know when I first was doing my epiphany theories and, and downright good thoughts books, the fear of people rejecting my my ideas was always in the back of my mind. Like, what is that coworker going to say about my book? What is that random stranger going to write about my, my story? Uh, is someone going to say something that I messed up on? And I'm going to be exposed as a fraud. And I don't know what I'm talking about. What do I do with that, right? It's like all the negative scenarios that you can come up with are the ones that you're, you're pushing to the forefront of, uh, of, of driving you forward. And it shouldn't be that way, okay? You're already creating roadblocks before you even see them. So knowing this, fear can paralyze you. I mean, there's this old saying of analysis paralysis. And, and, and granted, that goes with the perfectionism talk, but... The fear of it altogether can cause us to just totally get blocked up and and not move forward. Uh, you know, I, I can think back in my college days. I usually waited till eleven o'clock on Thursday night to write my Friday morning paper 
because I knew I did well under pressure. Uh, and I knew the fear of failing the test or failing that, that assignment would motivate me to finish that paper before two o'clock in the morning for my nine o'clock class or whatever it was. And I apologize to all of my professors that, that had to endure that. I, I, I usually did very well though on those because I, again, with my back to the wall, I, I could write pretty well, but, uh, I, I could have saved myself a lot of headaches by just maybe planning ahead of time. So, <laughs> so anyway, so again, timing, perfectionism and fear. And I'm going to add a fourth one to this, uh, which is something that was is partial to my personal story and how I've come to be the writer that I am today after six, almost seven years of writing and publishing is uh, you're simply just not writing what you're meant to write about. And if I can kind of explain that a bit more uh, and maybe put it in layman's terms, that when I first started writing, I thought that I was supposed to be this very humorous, satirical voice because it came very naturally to me. And the, the more I got into it and the more that I was writing it, I found that I was funny. You know, people thought I was humorous. And that gave me a lot of sort of good feelings, I guess you could say. And I've said this before, there's nothing wrong with satire. There's nothing wrong with being a, a person that, that writes humor. Okay, there's nothing wrong with that at all. But the more that I wrapped my identity up in this idea that everyone was going to perceive me as a comedian, the more something inside of me began to reject this idea. And God literally was saying, look, this is something you can do and you could wrap yourself up in it. You could become this identity. You could go down this path if you want to. But I think I have something better for you. But you have to trust me. And... It was in that moment that I turned away from this path of writing satire and comedy and moved towards the fiction and, and sci-fi. And I found that that's really where my heart was, was headed. And the ability to write uh, science fiction and, and explore fiction and fantasy, which was really where my heart was when I first started getting into writing, when I had shared that story earlier when I was a teenager, that was where I, I had always wanted to go. But fear had paralyzed me in some sense because I, I didn't want to put the things that I was passionate about most out there first. I wanted to try and test the waters, if you will, with this this humor and this satire that I could do that that I knew people would find to be funny or at, at the at the most amusing, you know, or at the very least I should say to be amusing. Uh, and I remember distinctly thinking that when I published my first book. But again, like I said, I didn't feel whole in it. Uh, not again, not that I want my identity as a writer to be all that I am, but I didn't feel whole in the sense that everything that I had was in it. So I didn't feel like I was writing what I was meant to write about. And I would get stuck constantly trying to get to the next book, forcing myself to get through it. And it wasn't a good habit that I was forming. It wasn't a good kind of discipline. It was almost a punishment to try and finish the second book that I was doing. That was, that was satire. So so that would be one that I would add to uh, the list that, that Mr. Goins came up with uh, for some of the causes of, of writer's block that you, might, that you might find as a writer. Now, knowing what the causes are of writer's block, you know, how do you remedy these things? And I kind of talked about that a little bit with my version of, you know, not writing what you're meant to write, not, uh, not doing what you're meant to do, you know, your passion pursuit, uh, with regards to writing and, and creative expression. 
what are some things you can do to remedy this? Now, again, Goins have some really good stuff, and I encourage anyone listening to this to go check out his blog, go check out his website. He has a list, I think, of about 14 different ways. I think it's 14 or 15 different ways to to sort of you know curb the, the blockage of thought. And I'm only going to mention a couple here uh, that I agree with, and I'm going to add some of my own that I've employed. Uh, one of the first ones he mentions is exercising, you know, jogging, getting the blood flowing. I think that's kind of an obvious one. You know, changing your scenery. You might have a place where you have to go to to write. I know as a college student, I was told on my first day of freshman orientation, if you don't know how to study very well or you've never learned how, which I didn't, uh, I kind of breezed through high school, not really studying at home ever or learning how to do it. Uh, they suggested going to a, a specific spot on campus and sitting there and telling yourself, this is where I'm going to do my work. And I started doing that. Granted, I, I waited till like the end of my junior year to start doing it. I was a bit of a, I guess I was a bit of a slow learner in that way, but, but, uh, changing your scenery up and having a, a place that's kind of your silo where your creativity can, can be kind of let loose is a, is a good idea. Uh, one way you can kind of break free from that, you know, engage with, uh, someone you haven't spoken to in a while. You know, this does not include texting. Okay. This does not mean you text your aunt Lou or, or Lou, I don't know where that came from, your, your, your aunt uh, Lou, Lois or something, or Uncle Rick, or, you know, your friend that you haven't talked to in six months, you know, actually picking up the phone and having a conversation, you know, stimulate your mind, you know, get some different ideas or thoughts coming into your head, you know, read a book. Okay, read a book. One of the best ways to get through creative ruts is to read a book, and especially read a book in your genre, if you're, if you're having to write something, uh, you know, if, you, if you're a fantasy writer, you know, read a fantasy book, you know, read an old classic or something, uh, something within your genre that might give you some, some ideas to, to be inspired again. And then just journaling and free writing is also good. Uh, journaling is something I started doing this year. I can't say enough how much that has helped me in finding patterns of things that have been kind of at the back of my mind, aching me in some way, uh, personally. And also just kind of freeing up my, my thoughts in a sense and putting them on paper and making me more accountable to things that I can see over time also frees me up creatively because then I can pinpoint things that are not just sort of bouncing around inside my head and, and you know, sort of mucking up the place. So, so those, those are some things that, that Goyne suggests that uh, you can do to sort of curb writer's block. And as I said before, I'm going to add a few of my own. Uh, just two really. And one of those is to have a creative community to bounce your ideas off of, uh, which is one that I've been very fortunate to be a part of here in the Midwest. And uh, the group has had members uh, that have been there full for the whole term of the last four or five years. There's been some members that have come and gone, and there are some new members now in this, in this writer's group. But having people in uh, sort of a, a community that can help you sort of, you know, sort your thoughts out is, is absolutely imperative to a creative, especially today, because there's, there's sort of this old idea that writers have to be out in cabins in the middle of the woods and they have to grow a long beard, unless they're a woman, maybe they're growing long hair or something. Uh, and they have to sit at at a typewriter or a keyboard and just write and be there for weeks on end until their idea is gone. Right. Uh, sort of the old Henry David Thoreau method of doing things. And yes, that, that could be a good thing to do to get away from it all. I mean, getting into nature is, is a great way as well 
of, of sort of letting your, your thoughts get re-energized. But having people around you that can support you and champion you and your thoughts and your ideas is, is a real big catalyst for putting wind in your sails again. I mean, it, it really is. I mean, I can't, I can't emphasize that enough uh, and how helpful my group has been for me. And hopefully in some way I would, I would think that they would reciprocate those, uh, those feelings that I have for them. And I think in some way Goins actually does mention this uh, in, in terms of building tribes of people around your platform too. So, so I'll give you that one, Jeff. Maybe, maybe you and I have, this, have, have an agreement on that. But then lastly, and this one might be a bit of a stretch for some people, writing about something you don't like or that you disagree with, which I think in the age of social media seems like an absolute impossible task to do because if you go on social media and you see people typing about anything, it's usually something that aches them, uh, but it's usually in favor of an idea. I say do the opposite. Write about something that you don't like. Write about something that you, that you disagree with. And the more you start doing it, you might find yourself tr- tripping back into your interest and, and, and what you wanted to write about in the first place. So this is a bit of an interesting thing to do because uh, I typically listen to a lot of podcasts that I don't agree with the speakers. Uh, there's, there's several different podcasts that I will tune into every now and again just to hear what people are up to and just to kind of keep myself in the know so I'm not burying my head in the sand. Uh, with thoughts and ideas like an echo chamber. Uh, I think it's healthy to do those kinds of things and to just kind of keep your mind fresh. Um, uh, repeating the same things over and over are good uh, for, for learning them. Uh, you should definitely do that. But in terms of knowing some things that are going on in the world, could be culturally, societally, whatever they are, uh, I definitely recommend that, but not to get too deep in the woods either. Um, you know, I, Again, I'm someone that definitely would be in the camp of building a firm foundation uh, before you start running out and trying to find others. So, so there's that. Uh, and keeping on the on the Jeff Goins train here of what not to do to get out of writer's block, which is uh, something that you also should be aware of as a writer or creative. Uh, you know, waiting to be inspired is not something you should be doing if you want to curb writer's block. Okay, you can't just be sitting around going, okay. God or world or universe, give me my inspiration now. Give me the inspiration that I need to get through this story or whatever it is that I'm writing. Okay, that's that's not a good plan. Okay, you could pray. Okay, I would I would definitely be in the camp of prayer uh, to ask for help. But but sitting around waiting to be inspired doesn't really help at all. Okay, it just, it just doesn't. Um, which leads into wallowing in self-pity, which was another thing Jeff had mentioned, which I think speaks for itself. Uh, and then procrastinating or making excuses, you know, watching TV, doing things that might distract you. Now, this is not the same as reading a book, okay, or uh, calling that friend to have a, a chat that you haven't spoken to in a while or writing about something that you disagree with, okay? Those are purposeful things to do to re-energize you, right? Like you're doing them with the purpose to specifically get yourself back on track, all right? If you're just jumping on television for a while or you, you know, start playing a video game or something like that, that actually is a purposeful distraction. It's very different because the outcome that you're looking for is, is not the same, okay? It's not the same as what you would be doing with what I listed earlier. So recognize what is a distraction and what is a purpose-led uh, method 
that you're trying to employ to get yourself out of the creative rut and, and back to writing again. <clears throat> uh, and then last but not least is another one that uh, I want to add that I don't think Jeff had mentioned, but uh, is one that I've experienced quite a bit as a writer, especially with writing this next novel, The Shadow of Mars, is trusting in someone else's absolute opinion of your writing. Okay, this is, this is another thing that I think afflicts young writers, aspiring writers of, of all ages, is worrying way too much what other people are going to think of your work. Okay, uh, if you have something that you've done, you've written, it could be essays, could be nonfiction, this doesn't have to be relegated just to fiction writing. Putting too much stock in other people's opinions before you actually finish your work is not a good plan. Okay, it's just, it's not a good idea for writing and getting your thoughts together. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't research your ideas. I'm not saying you shouldn't do some legwork about figuring out what would work or what wouldn't work or studying people who have done it before you. There, absolutely, you should be doing these things. But to go to random strangers or people that don't know what you're doing or don't have any context of what you're working on and asking them what they think of, of something that you take out of context is not a good idea uh, to keep yourself writing and get yourself out of uh, sort of a writer's block. Now, I will say that there is there is one exception to this, and, and this deals with uh, my personal life um, when speaking to my wife about my writing. And my wife does not write. She doesn't uh, write anything uh, very often. Okay, uh, she's, she's a reader, uh, but as far as being interested in sci-fi and some of the things that, that I write about in terms of fantasy, okay, she's not, she's not the biggest fan of it. Uh, I shouldn't say of my work. Of course, she's a fan of my work. <laughs> but but uh, her ability to give me a 10,000-foot view of things is different than what I just was talking about in terms of, you know, allowing another person's opinion to affect your writing, okay? Many times I'll bounce something off of her that I need help with or I'm stuck and I just need a fresh perspective on something. And I might say, you know, honey, is you know, what do you think of this? And almost immediately, you know, she can give me some feedback that I can turn with and say, you know what, I never would have thought of that. And thank you so much for that information. So there is some value in going to people in the midst of your, your, your rut, you know, or experiencing writer's block. There is some value in doing that. And as I said earlier, having a community of people or going to someone that you trust that's going to give you some some positive feedback or some positive critique is going to be one other way of getting you out of that out of that funk and and back on the rails. So that summarizes uh, in brief some of the causes of writer's block, uh, some of the ways uh, to remedy them, and some things not to do in order to get out of uh, the creative funk that you might be in uh, in order to keep going. And uh, I wanted to end this, this particular episode uh, on the topic of what I've been doing with The Shadow of Mars because, as I said, this whole series I'm doing right now is taking my book from inception to finish and talking about some of the things I've been going through in, in writing my second novel, The Shadow of Mars, which is uh, the sequel to The Road to Mars. And in this area specifically about writer's block, 
The Shadow of Mars has been way more difficult to write than my first book was, The Road to Mars, that is. Not the books I had talked about earlier, the Epiphanies theories books, but the, but the Road to Mars, my first real novel. This has been so much more difficult for me, mostly because of a lot of factors that have uh, affected me more so than when I was writing my first one. Because I was writing my first book before I was married, I was writing my first one when I had had a part-time job at the time. So I had two days out of my my work week, essentially, aside from the weekend, where I could devote six hours a day to editing, writing, proofreading, reading in general. I mean, I had so much more time back then to dedicate towards this writing venture. And then after being married and actually publishing the book, and then two children later, and house payments, and all this other kind of stuff. The priorities that I have take precedent over this passion project. And again, I've, I've spoken about this in other podcasts, about knowing what your priorities are and uh, serving them, serving them appropriately. You know, so for me, like I said, my hierarchy of, of uh, you know, priorities is, you know, God, uh, you know, spouse, children, family, friends, and then work and passion projects. So it's pretty low on the list. In fact, whenever I do these podcasts, for the most part right now, I'm doing them either late in the evening or early in the morning. Uh, so I'm not confusing myself. I'm not trying to steal time away from my family. And the interesting thing is that in writing this second book, The Shadow of Mars, I found myself being challenged constantly about, do I want to risk taking time away from my family so I can work on this project? Because there's been that tug there a lot. And I, and I want to be transparent about that and very candid about it because I think this is an area that a lot of creatives don't want to admit to themselves. Or perhaps they don't want to speak about openly because of the fear of, of sounding like an obsessive workaholic. Like, I just, I have to get my idea out there. I just have to. You know, or the, you know, that starving artist, you know, that, uh, that, that sort of crippling concept that I, you know, I'm just... You know, I'm, I'm painfully working on the on uh, you know, passionately for my work. You know, I just I just have to suffer for it. And it's like, no, actually, you don't. Okay, you don't have to suffer for your art in in that sense. You know, I would I would say that you don't have to, because if you're recognizing the other priorities, uh, you know, specifically if I'm talking about my life, these are the things I must attend to first, and I want to attend to them. I'm not just saying I have to. There is a sense of duty and I have to, but but having a want to do them before I touch the shadow of Mars, before I get to my book, uh, then these are the things I should tend to. And this is my story too, okay? I, I, I don't want to project this as though, well, look at me, how fortunate I am. I have a, uh, you know, a wife and two kids and a, and a house and a, and a, you know, stable income of, of, you know, some kind. I know that's not everybody's story. Okay, I, I fully understand that. And I know there's so many people in different situations. Uh, my aunt, for instance, who is publishing children's books right now, and she's doing a phenomenal job of marketing and doing PR for herself. Uh, she's widowed. Okay, she's widowed. Her husband died several years ago uh, due to colon cancer. And uh, she has no biological children. Uh, but she was a teacher for 37 years, so she has children all over the world, <laughs> all over the place. And uh, so her path and her priorities right now look a little bit different than mine. Granted, she still has family that she tends to. Uh, she still has her faith that she tends to as well. But 
but her life story looks a little bit different than mine right now. But we still have those priorities that we have to tend to, okay? We still have things in our life that we have to be cognizant of that are bigger than these sort of side passion pursuits. Now, there may come a time when the passion pursuit trips into uh, being a full-time gig that you can do over and over and over again. And Lord willing, I'll, you know, I'll be able to get there someday. Uh, part of that will be finishing the second book. But if I'm going to keep myself going forward uh, with a good flow state, a good flow of creativity, and doing so with a clear conscience, I have to keep my priorities in line or I'm going to experience tons of blockage. And, I, and I'll say that very candidly again, that I've had that tension a lot over the last two years or so that I've been trying to write this book and trying to finish it. And I've, I've had several moments when it's just been me and my kids, my wife's working in, e in the evening, and I have a real temptation to just put a movie on and work on my book and not spend time with my three-year-old who all he wants to do is wrestle his dad or my little, my little girl who's learning, how to, learning her ABCs or wanting to count. Okay, these things are important and those take precedence over uh, my own pursuits until they, they, they finally go to bed, which, which thankfully my kids have been pretty good about up till now. So, But again, that's my story right now. That's my story and my priorities and, and where I'm at, but I, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to create uh, a little bit of a, a narrative here uh, for aspiring writers and for people that might be in similar situations, and and how they might be dealing with this idea of, man, I, I am kind of blocked right now and I don't know why. And it could be all of the things I've listed earlier, all the causes that are there. But again, aligning your priorities and and managing them is is one way you're going to be able to to keep that flow state and keep yourself from falling into that trap of, of uh, having some kind of severe writer's block. So so anyway, that's the topic of writer's block. So lots of, lots of stuff to chew on in uh, this episode. Uh, so I hope you guys uh, enjoyed uh, listening to me rant and ramble a bit about writer's block and, and everything therein. Uh, much props to Jeff Goins. Go check out his website. He's got some great resources out there for writers and creatives and platform builders alike. And uh, for all of you that have been listening in, appreciate the support. Uh, like, share, subscribe, all that good stuff. This is my one shameless self-plug that I'll give at the end of uh, almost every episode now. So uh, like, share, subscribe, comment, all that good stuff. I'd love to hear from you guys and just uh, hear what you have to say about this podcast and keep it being the, the best gosh darn creative writers podcast that's out there on the internet so until next time guys i'll catch up with you again soon uh, this is josh jc alfelto for the writers lens